Hey, good day everybody, Coach here. Hope the day's going well for you. Hey, you know, uh, this week we venture into a dirty little topic, one that every homeowner needs to know and know what to do about. We certainly must understand it and know how to work with it and certainly not against it. Hey everybody, Coach here. Can we talk dirty for just a minute? Ah, oh, come on, just a little bit? No, not that kind, damn it. Jeez, I'm talking about dirt, soil, terra firma. What type do you have? What types there are? How to make the bad good and the good even better. Glad you're here, everybody. Hope you get something from it, so let's get going. Maestro, make that intro happen, please. Hey, I'm Matt, and you can call me coach. Every week I bring you landscape tips and tricks, design concepts and theories, and easy to understand format so you can tackle projects yourself get the professional results you want, be a heck of a lot more self-reliant in this day and age, and save a boatload of money in that process. You know, after a 20 plus year career as a successful self-employed landscape designer, contractor, and college educated and ornamental hort, and a career in retail nursery management, I bring with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I want to share with you, the modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. Man, welcome again. So glad you took a few minutes. Whether you're out on the road or out for a jog or a bike ride or maybe you're at the kitchen sink cleaning up dishes and you're going to listen to me for a few minutes, I greatly appreciate it. Hey, I often read about and address many concerns folks have when they are on various social media platforms. Uh, when it you know comes to this type of topic, it usually kind of sounds similar to this. I live in such and such near such and such. I'm in zone 6A and I'm planting in this soil. What should I do to ensure my plants live? So I ask you, what type of soil do you have? Those of you who are listening right now, what kind of soil do you have? What kind of soil do you think you have? What pH is your soil prior to amending it? What is your soil composition? You know, what is your soil horizons? Those kinds of things, I'm not gonna go off into some big college semester here about soil science. And I don't profess to be a master's or PH degree in anything other than a little bit of college, a whole lot of experience working in various types. Not only that, but you know, I study and read up and brush up on things quite often, not only to sound smart, but to actually be smart about many of these topics. Not all of us are blessed with the perfect garden center loam soil. In fact, hardly any of us are. Some of us have highly alkaline soils with pHs reaching in the eight, eight and a half range, and others are very acidic soils with pHs in the 4.5 to five range, depending on where you live. We have heavy clay soils of the dark brown, black, red, even gray variety. We have very rocky soil mixes and some soil added for effect. We have really sandy soils that are have little to hardly any organic compounds in them at all. And I saw a lot of that recently in the desert Southwest. And then there are those soils that are blessed with all the right ingredients. They have a little bit of sand, they have little silts, little clays and a lot of organic amendments and microorganisms in there with just the right pH. Hey, if you have those soils, let us know where you're at. Tell us where you're at. I have seen some of them uh, in the Pacific Northwest. I've seen them in the upper Midwest, in Iowa and places like that. But even those soils need a little something here and there. 
basically soil is made up of five ingredients, good soil, over a very long period of time by mother nature and father time. Those ingredients generally boil down to minerals, organic matter, living organisms, gas and water. That's it. And what percentages of each from where and how is what determines what you have. You have either the heavy clay or a sandy loam or whatever. The mineral part are divided into three classes. And minerals, we're talking about clay, silt, and sand. Clay is a super fine, fine particles. Silt's a little bigger and sand is the biggest. This makes up the soil texture. What kind of texture do you have? Can you go out there and pop something out of the ground with a shovel and yet you can squeeze it and clump it? Does it hold together like uh, Play-Doh back in kindergarten? Or does it kind of crumble and fall apart? You know, does it have a good earthy smell to it? Or does it have almost an anaerobic smelly smells where things just aren't working right? Anyway, the percentages of that clay silt sand really determines what your soil type is. The organic material in those textures the organic material is made up of decomposing plant, animal, and microbial matter in various states of decomposition. Very important in determining soil health and growability. Soils can be, jeez, I even read up here recently, but soils can be broken down into colors as well. Colors range from browns, yellowish, reds, grays, even whitish, like caliche, and in rare cases, even greens and blues I read on. Now, I have not come across blues, but I have seen a grayish green at one time up in parts of Northern California. And that's where I used to work in NorCal. I had to contend with a variety of soils from the heavy blackish godforsaken clay soils in uh, North Stockton area, really nice sandy loam soils out east of San Joaquin County, and then up in the foothills, we got into rocky caliche messes. And in the far north of the county where I was at, then we got into a, a reddish clay situations. And you know that last one and the first one, you know, that blackened clay and then the reddish clay, we used to nickname them kind of three-day soils. And what is that you mean, coach? That name stuck because you usually could really only work with it about three days a year. The rest of the year, it was either a soaking wet, gloppy, sticky mess that stuck to your shoes, your shovel, your equipment, whatever you had. Or in the summertime, it was hard as a goddamn rock and near impermeable and impenetrable to machines, a shovel, or water. Then there was that sweet spot every year where the machine, you could actually work it and then once amending it and everything, you could really create a nice landscape, including turf areas and planting and everything else. Now up in the foothills where I was at, I can remember renting backhoes and backhoeing out huge six by six holes to plant a 15 gallon tree. And then I would import soils and clays and other things that I'd make my own mix and plant the trees to ensure a good takeoff every year. So that's what kind of extent you had to go to make sure that you just didn't throw something in the ground and tip your hat to your customer, take their check and run because they were just gonna call you back in two months and go, hey, all the trees and plants you put in here died. What are you gonna do about it? So we took extra steps. 
with those types of soils. You know, really the correct identification of your soil is important. And I often recommend, uh, if you don't know what it is, getting a soil test kit. Uh, from one of the local nurseries or garden centers, or sending a core sample out to your local county soil analysis. Generally, there's always one in the area. And once you pinned it down, you can approach any corrective measures based on what that analysis has told you, and not just a swag approach. Swag, scientific wild ass guess, right? Guys, if you have a heavy clay soil, we want to introduce a lot of organic amendment and mix it into the soil as deep as you can. If you're preparing a, a sod bed or a seed bed and you have this type of soil, you're gonna want four to six inches of good tilled clay mixed in 50% with a good organic amendment, like a compost or a soil conditioner of some kind. And if the soil is like super alkaline, we can always add things like sulfur and acidic organic amendments like redwood soil conditioner or any sort of coniferous bagged product those always have a pH lower than seven, that's for sure. And you can create uh, a much more balanced soil condition there. You know, it is said with the, the heavy clay soils that, and I remember this when I first got started and I was selling this stuff in the nurseries was gypsum. And gypsum really does work well. It takes those fine, fine clay particles in a, in a layman's term, it takes 20 little clay particles and binds it together with a piece of gypsum. So you, you have just a little bigger piece of soil down there rather than the really super fines. And if you introduce that gypsum over a wide area or you introduce it into a planting hole, it will change the soil texture a little bit, but it takes a heck of a long time. We're talking one to two years to correct something two to four inches down. And sometimes we just don't have that much time, but it doesn't hurt. So if you're preparing a lawn bed, hey, introduce a bunch of gypsum. You can't go wrong with it. It's not gonna hurt anything. You can't overuse it necessarily. But if you have a thousand square foot of sod that you're putting down, heck, go out there and get yourself a couple hundred pounds of gypsum and spread it out and rototill it in with your soil amendments and your fertilizers and then water it in really good and grade it out and let it settle back down. It will change that clay soil bed and it'll just take a little time. One thing I do want to you know, impart on you is that we don't take sand. We don't take sand and introduce it to clay soil because it will generally often make the situation even worse. It'll almost turn it to cement during the dry seasons or it'll make it so impenetrable that lawn beds and planting beds just don't work very well. So don't introduce sand into heavy clay soils. It's not the, that the clay doesn't have nutrients and stuff. It does, it's really rather fertile stuff most of the time. It's that the soil is so fine and the, the ground can get so hard that the nutrients get locked up in there. And if water doesn't penetrate and it doesn't dissolve some of those nutrients, it's a dissolved nutrient that a plant or a lawn actually takes up and uses. And if the plant can't get to it, it can't extract those nutrients and absorb what it needs. It's, it's kind of that simple. Now, what do we do if we have like really sandy soils? What do we do? Well, you know what? Same damn thing. We amend those sandy soils with more organic amendment and we attempt to change that soil composition and texture again. So we introduce that, that organic amendment and bring it up into a much more workable, workable, growable material. Now, hey, I wanna share something else with you. I read online not too long ago, but uh, I, I see it quite often. 
and that is people say, rather than uh, rototill up my new lawn that I want to do, I'm just going to go out there and top dress it with some topsoil and put some seed down and call it good. And in some cases, if you want to do the, the cheap ass version of it, okay, you can do that, especially if you top dress it again and actually cover the seed a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to have a bird party there and it's just going to either wash out or germinate and not be able to penetrate, etc. It is a seed. It needs to be somewhat submerged under a soil of some kind. So what do I suggest on something like this? Don't go cheap. What you're creating is a situation that we call in the business stratification. You have this nice, soft, little one-inch layer of topsoil you've put down, and then you have your original hard pan clay weed-infested mess that you actually put this one inch over and the seed's going to germinate hopefully and it's going to go about one inch and plants aren't stupid they're going to stay where it's easier to grow where the water is and so you're going to have a one inch root zone and that's where you get this stratification now stratification can be justified in some ways in some rare cases uh, where the native the native soil is just so damn disagreeable like rock and shale and caliche and yet people have yards like this this may be the only option then and only then you will need several inches brought in and compacted down and watered and compacted again so you have a good solid base of good soil and if you have six to eight inches of good soil then you can grow a lawn without any problem but oftentimes stratification results when you do that little skinny layer of soil over it. The imported soil does not mix with that native soil and your, lawn's, your lawn is only gonna grow as deep as that good stuff is. You know, I was telling you about the, the foothill areas east of where I lived and where I work. The soil layer is very, very shallow and could barely be called topsoils. And I'm, I'm talking an inch. I hated working there, but sometimes I just kind of had to because that's where the work was at the time. And when you're dealing with a topsoil depth that's only an inch and below that you have nothing but shale rock and sandstone, the only thing that really grew there was, you know, native plants consisting of like oaks and manzanitas in some cases, uh, wild grasses, and in some of the little mini canyons and, and bottomland areas, then you got some some native perennials that would go here what i did was i created huge berms and contours in order to get ornamental trees and shrubs to take and thrive and i'm not talking berms of six inches no guys i'm talking about tens and tens and even one job almost 180 cubic yards of blended loam soil i brought in and contoured and bermed the backyard and raised up where the lawn was going to be so i had a planting in the berms and contours i had planting that was upwards of 24 to 30 inches worth of good topsoil and then i retained those berms and stuff with decorative moss rock boulders or backfilled behind uh, retained stacked block walls etc and it worked out really well but it's a very costly way to landscape and but it works but only in rare cases otherwise that stratification stratification occurs i would suggest in some very challenging soils and in small areas that many folks if you have that kind of i don't know what to do moments i read online the other day where a guy was dealing with nothing but shale and uh, 45 degree back hill and how could I put in a wall and all this other stuff and I'm like I just commented on it and I said maybe you should not fight mother nature and just work with what you got he said he had some mosses and other things there that 
you know, look nice, but then they kind of dry it out in the summertime, which I understand. But you know something? Sometimes if you have really small yards and situations like that, just go to a raised bed landscape. Hey, check out the channel because I did a, I did a video on container and raised bed landscapes. And you should check that out because sometimes it's just easier to go with mother nature and not fight her because she can be a real bitch sometimes and it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and you still aren't guaranteed the right results. You're trying to put a, you're trying to put a hosta in a caliche soil, that ain't gonna work. Hostas were never meant to be in those kinds of soils, but you should sure as heck could go buy yourself, you know, 15 cubic yards of good blended loam soil with a nice organic mix put into it and some nice fertilizers and make up some nice raised beds or have some big containers and then plop your hosta in that and then watch it triple in a year. That would be much easier to do. You know, the soils are, uh, they really are the primary provider of nutrients to all plant material we put in the ground if we can put stuff in the ground. There are usually about 18 actual elements for healthy plant growth. Most of these elements are made available to plants by being microscopically dissolved in water. Hence, that's why we have wet ground. We have wet lawns, we have wet planting beds, because if it's dry soil, dry soil causes the, the lack of nutrient uptake. It just can't. It can't take up water, it can't take up nutrients, and the dehydration of the little hair roots that are on plants, and what results in what we all know as death to the plant, either in a ground or in a container, because plants just don't work when they're dehydrated. Cactuses. Cactus is the only thing I know that God created that actually stores its own water and uses it when there is no water in the ground out in that desert. And that's about the only plants that I know of. Sedums sometimes, but even they start to wilt after a short period of time. The number one killer, and I'll, I'll tell you about a video I made not too long ago, was the number one killer of landscapes and the, the famed Goldilocks syndrome. You might want to check that out because the Goldilocks syndrome is a very important concept in landscaping because you can kill it with water or you can grow it with water and you have to have that just the right amount. So don't forget to replenish your ornamental soils. Many times we think that we can plant and forget, but we must constantly, at least every other year, replace with a good fresh mulch and mix in some good elemental foods. This can be attained through mulching it can be attained through surface fertilizing or foliar feeding. And in really big landscapes, maybe even root feeding through soil probes, etc. You know, introducing, I'll tell you one thing that'll really cause a new landscape to take the hell off. And that is when you rototill into a lawn or you use just a little, little pinch mixed in with every single hole that you dig for a new plant, find yourself some commercially made microscopic fungi called mycorrhiza. This will vastly improve your soil health and in turn plant health really, really fast. Check that stuff out. Mycorrhiza, read up on it. Over the last century and more, man has really put a hurting on native and productive soils across the globe. You know, we, we scrape off good topsoils in many places in order to build firmer substrates and stuff for our new housing developments. And then get this, and I saw this on numerous occasions in the county that I worked at. Yeah, the developer would come in and scrape off the top 
four to six inches of good topsoil and get down to a firmer base, they'd pile hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cubic yards of good topsoil in the backs of the new developments. Then they would turn around and sell that stuff wholesale to the bulk materials yards, who would take in turn and run it through what they call a royer and fluff it the hell up. Then they'd put it in their bins, turn around and sell it back to the new homeowners in that same development again, that you would import brand new, you'd think you'd be getting this beautiful brand new topsoil and then you plop it right back in there and that's where in the hell it came from in the first place was right there. A vicious, vicious commercial, commercial cycle. So be aware of that. But when we scrape off those topsoils in order to get a firmer substrate so our houses can be built on those firm bases, also agriculture on commercial, commercial scale, those guys go in, God bless them because you know they do create our foods and whatnot, but uh, they plant, they harvest, they till, they plant, they harvest, they till, they plant, they harvest, they till for years and years and in some cases decades. And now a lot of our soils, our soils are just worn the hell out. And it's, it's not, just a, not just a U.S. thing. It's a global thing. It really is. That's why a lot of places in other continents, they can't get freaking corn to grow because there's no more nutrient values in the soil having been you know, cultivated for so many years. So what to leave you with? I come back to one of the original questions. What soil do you have? You got a, a good, better, best type of soil or an iffy, bad, worse type of soil? This topic, seriously guys, I sat in the classroom for a whole semester on soil sciences. You could take a whole semester to talk about this stuff. But very important to understand in order to make the right landscape decisions. You know, the type of soil that you have, it affects irrigation. Not only putting it in, in the, the type of dirt you have, but also how often are you going to water? How often is it needed? Drainage. Lots and lots of posts online about people who have heavy clay soils and I got this ponding and nothing drains, blah, 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 because of the soil. And then again, it's the plant selection and installation, depending on your types of soil. Construction, just mere construction, digging fence post holes, doing flat work and cement work. What do you have to do in order to attain a, a good good patio and walkways if you've got this floaty clay saturated mess you're having to work with. Soils are almost everything when it comes to, to landscaping and how you approach it. So, hey, enough dirty talk for one week. I really appreciate you sticking with me. I hope a little knowledge was imparted and you gained here and I hope it goes a long ways as you approach doing something DIY in your landscape. I hope it is successful for you. Check out some of the other educational landscape videos I have. And as always, both here on the podcast and on YouTube, I will see you next Friday and every Friday. Guys, thanks for sticking with me. You guys take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yard Coach. Check out the original videos on YouTube at Yard Coach or email Coach Matt at youryardcoach at gmail.com. And hey, did you get your free 15-step landscaping project checklist? Check out the podcast description below for the link to your free PDF as well as the YouTube channel for more great information for the DIYer in you. See you next week.